but then through some lucky circumstances i met my current um, business partner and he was he yeah he he just saw the vision actually maybe more than i did because i just kind of sort of laid out the pieces and then he immediately said it's like a horse stable but for camels yes yes <laughs> Did you know that camels are emotionally intelligent beings? They are highly perceptive and have the ability to relieve their rider's stress level by mirroring their emotions. Linda Krockenberger is a German expat who studied hotel management and was happily climbing the career ladder in Dubai until she fell in love with camel riding. She then decided to pursue her passion full-time ultimately becoming the co-founder of the UAE's first camel riding school in 2021. A few months ago, I had the privilege to speak to her and in this episode, you'll hear about how the fearless Linda created the school, the challenges she faced, the female team she founded, and you'll learn fun facts about camels. Let's ride! Good morning, Linda. It's very nice to have you here here with me. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Um, I'm not going to introduce you, but I will say one sentence that I read uh, when I was doing my research that really struck me and made me want to interview you. It's from Gulf News, and it says, quote, a German expat in Dubai gave up her promising career after she fell in love with camel riding, unquote. So this is the introduction. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. So yes, please describe yourself uh, in the third person. Who is this German expat girl? <laughs> Who's this crazy person? Um, yeah, Linda didn't come here for camels to the Middle East. Um, uh, I, she studied uh, something very basic like hotel management with a yeah, international career aspirations, working in, in multicultural environments was always her goal. Um, and over several st stops in different countries, eventually she settled here in Dubai eight years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and the with all the hustle and bustle of this very dynamic city, there was some outlet needed and um, to, to <laughs> just relax. And that was the desert initially. And... Uh, with the desert, obviously, it's a strong link to the camel, and that's where she would combine her horse riding uh, hobby from back home with a, a bit more of a local twist, which was yeah. the camel. And um, it was uh, it was just that to be in the beginning until COVID hit and basically shook as well the industry drastically, of course, as we all know. And there was suddenly more time and. Um, uh, and no job so so chemist was again a bit the anchor and um uh from then again going back to work chemist was sort of a continuation until i cut the cord entirely to the to the to a job to to an employment and now i'm she's just doing this chemist school teaching more people sharing sharing the beautiful side of of chemists Yes, because uh, not only did you, let's switch to you now, did you <laughs> give up your promising career after you fell in love with Calma Riding? It's all well, but it, you set up the, you helped, you co-founder of the first Camel Riding School, which is super cool. So 
Of course, I think COVID was probably the, the shift, like when you made a decision to probably switch a hobby into a career. But tell me the story of the school and how the crazy idea, which crazy is good to me. So how the crazy idea came by and how you, yeah. Yes, I mean, I don't think initially I even knew what was coming or how it could you know, unfold in a way that where we are today. It was more, I knew it's fun and it's so enjoyable and made, made me feel much more connected to the UAE as a home because it's a very transient city where people come and keep living um, a part of their, you know, cultural origins, obviously. So sometimes it, it misses a little bit that localization for many mm -hmm. and, and for me. So, and because I felt this is such a, good way of knowing this chosen home I thought why is it not available to more than um, to the general public and because okay so there were no schools when you wanted to learn how to camel ride yourself yes. I read that it was a bit of a struggle yes um, <laughs> initially I learned through a, a government institution who was teaching Who's, who's doing an annual event. And then, and for that event, they are training people more about cameras, which is more the, the heritage side of things. And um, and that was where I got hooked initially. But then once you completed this annual event, you were sort of meant to just go on with What's your life. What's next? <laughs> yes. Um, and through that, uh, my friends knew I was riding cameras. And they said, can we come? And I always had to say no, because you are not part of this program, right? So that's when I noticed there's this gap of of no facility, mm. and no no institution, and um, and then I was searching for uh, for a local for for a place first of all to potentially just have a camera on my own, and um, which is I've I've never had to take care of an animal of that size. I had you know so it comes with a lot of responsibility. Definitely, you cannot keep it at home. <laughs> no, and um, and I've never looked after. And it was apart from some uh, bunnies back home, so I I wasn't ready also to to take this on on my own. So I knew it's better to partner up with someone. And um, I was searching for yeah for an Emirati hmm. primarily. They are the ones who have the cameras in the space to say, look, I have cameras. You can do your program. I look after the husbandry basically. And and um. And that didn't really work out. So I already like wrote off this idea, and like, and mm. it was every every sort of conversation that led to, led to nowhere was a confirmation of, and that's why we don't have camel riding schools. Mm. It's like it's um, complicated to set up. Yes, and maybe also the camels don't work as a horse, you know, in the same scenario system and so on. But then through some lucky circumstances, I met my current um, business partner, and he was. He, yeah, he he just saw the vision actually maybe more than I did because I just kind of sort of laid out the pieces and then he immediately said it's like a horse stable but for camels. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, it was basically just you know me rambling and him sort of grasping exactly what mm. the uh, essence of it is and and that's then and we just started. And um, and it was from getting to know his cameras that he had. We started with three, um, right? Fixing up the place, uh, 
uh, upgrading a little bit of the gear so it looks all a little bit more neat because in in general you know the the camels here which are meant for riding they're not the precious ones they the riding camels are training the race camels which are mm. not students. so uh these camels were not necessarily so much uh, I in good shape like, yeah neglected is a strong word but they were not as much cared for as the the precious race performance camel um so we shifted a little bit that perspective as well along the way and um and yeah then it just some some newspaper i think it was emirates woman put up a post and um on their social media and i've until today i don't know how they picked it up but that initial uh, post gave us a huge boost hmm. and and then it just kind of you know it was word of mouth but also a small publication here and there that kind of spread the word and then we just kept having new people walk in the door and saying finally so and that's when I realized I'm not alone also wow <laughs> yeah there are other people who would like who were looking for that so it started yeah. in January 2021 yes yes that's when we started. we started with three camels and now how many do you have now we have 13 wow um, and uh, yeah we are actually searching for some more Okay, so if anybody knows any camels <laughs> around there, <laughs> taking resumes. <laughs> uh, what's the ideal size you would like to get uh, in terms of camel number? Um, yeah, it's a good question. So in the winter, I think fifteen will be would be great. Um, that gives us the chance to um, to take. Uh, yeah more riders in one class because we've been in winter we, it happens that we're fully booked but also yeah. it's more opportunity to to schedule more um rest as well for the animals so just mm -hmm. the rotation and so on so uh, because even if you have 13 maybe there's uh, only 10 that you can available moment in time you're taking out because there's you know some uh, some breaks here and there for them um necessary as well so, do camels get injured a lot like horses what kind of vet uh, services do you need yeah so there, there's a lot um uh to say about camels and i could feel probably uh, an entire podcast. we'll do a whole series this is just episode one <laughs> yeah. um but so so what we need to know about camels is um that their entire physical but also psychological adaptation is to deal with scarcity. So yes, um, and with extreme conditions like in this in this case in the um, Arabian Peninsula, it's heat, lack of um, you know abundance of nutrition and water and so on. So their whole body has so many features that help with that, which is really fascinating. And the display of this is just like it blows your mind. For example. Mm -hmm finished we're still at the end of summer um the camel would be laying down and happily rolling in the in the sand which is in the middle of the day uh you know 1 p.m the sand is probably Roasting. i wouldn't it's like 50 to 60 degrees you as a human even if you were a thin slipper you will be that's not possible i need almost like any decent footwear to to not get you know the heat blisters and the camel is just like indulging in this, in this uh, little sand bath. So it's just how do they do it? It's it's, yeah. it's uh, fantastic. So 
um, but also that physical or that um, adaptation to scarcity also reflects a lot in their em emotional or psychological characteristics. So, for example, they would be they're very aware of what's going on, on around them, but they don't react to everything. So um, they save their energy in a way. Yes, like, they pick their battles. <laughs> yes. Um, and they will just, you know, pick uh what's needed and and they remember very well places of food um or sort of routines and so on so they're very clever um and that's that's what we what i've been learning through this mm. um and then now when it comes to injuries i would i would say or, or caretaking in general they're less needy um for example the quality of feed is not as um they're not as sensitive to any change in feed versus a, a horse easily I gets it. Um, and uh, and then we have the uh, um, what did I want to say? Yeah, so so that comes to the feed, but also to to injury. So they might have something that bothers them, but it's not really worth um, caring Checking. about. Yeah. It's not that serious, so they keep yeah. on uh, dealing with it until it becomes. Yes, and um, and and that can be almost a bad thing because they might not show signs of injury uh, mm. or discomfort or you know if there's anything internal because they just simply don't display. Um, they can Pain. completely isolate. Um, it doesn't mean they don't feel, but they seem less uh, bothered by it. Yeah, they have a higher threshold of pain. Yes, exactly. That that might be a good way to to say. So uh, we still have to. Of course, look after them, uh, and that's what we do. And uh, I'm I'm happy that we can say we've received um, sort of uh, yeah, you can almost call them rescue camels. They were in, in the greatest shape when we started uh, yeah. to after them, and now they've uh, uh, over the you know with a very steady and um, wholesome feed and so on. They've they they look really good um, and feel great. In terms of feed, what do they need to eat and and drink? Is I from childhood memories from when you read in books, I seem to remember that they drink like liters, 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 and then they can just hold yeah. off. Is it the yeah. same with food? Do they binge or do you feed them two, three times a day? How does it work? Yes. So um yeah, this the, these are one some of the key facts that people remember are aware of is obviously the water consumption and and uh, they really on the water they binge like it's just one uh, now in summer actually we do give them water twice in winter it's just once a day and then they can drink uh, up to 25% of their body weight um not that's not necessarily the situation now as they are in a routine and they know there's water but um they can absorb this water without uh, having a like a, a, an osmosis process that goes wrong, which mm -hmm. is what happens to other um, mammals or humans. Um, and then just gets stored in cells and uh, in, in through the breakdown of those cells, they retrieve that liquid form of water. Um, feed as well, we, we feed them twice a day um, because they are now you know, exercising quite a bit. So we have to supplement the regular hay and uh, straw okay. fibery with some pellets and uh, a muesli in the evening um, but to be honest by now I do think 
I could it was good to to regain their strength um after they they were coming to us you know not not some a bit yeah. skinny but now that they have a really good base level of <laughs> health and so on I feel like I almost need to reduce the feed because then and can keep uh keep end up storing too much like European camels for example they basically suffer from obesity because of yeah. the oversupply of rich food um and since our camels are working um and walking and running fast they shouldn't be so heavy <laughs> because it's bad for their joints yeah if you wanted to give them a treat what would it be for horses it's carrots uh and for camels what do they like yeah they love uh, sweet things so dates for example mm. uh, dates is good and uh, also sort of um, like a hot dog bun is <laughs> has a really <laughs> good shape for them to eat so bread yes and it okay. became sort of um you know a hot dog or burger bread it almost has a bit of a sweet taste because yeah. it's just so and then <laughs> It, it's easy for them to eat with their big long yeah. mouth so um, yeah they, they love this kind of bread. okay um question regarding gender uh of camels i read that your camels are all male uh and that the females are used for breeding and reproduction um yeah. have you ever tried to uh, ride a female camel or it's just not feasible yes. or it shouldn't be done No, no, it's uh, it's definitely feasible. Actually, in Oman, there are certain camel-related uh, um, traditions and and um, type of racing that's only done with females. Um, and uh, they're they're still also capable to carry a human, obviously, and they are strong. I've I think I've ridden in the early beginning. I read uh, I was riding on on a female camel, um, so they're. They could do the same thing, but it's just also a matter of, um, uh, is it availability or just like the male camel that comes off the racing and is basically retired, not necessarily from age, but from could be underperformance, mm -hmm. and they then have more or less no other um, use, if you want. Yeah. So, so no that's other the calling in life. <laughs> yeah. So so these are the ones that are just they are more often sold and uh or given away or um so that's why we ended up with more male camels and yeah you're right the female ones they could still um breed with and then uh drinking the milk is, is still also very common here in in the uae so okay um so that's yeah uh, mainly and then again within a herd of working um animals in this way or in a in a setup like that you don't really want to mix because it could just create a bit more um tension yeah tension <laughs> and, uh which is yeah we, we try to avoid in, in a way yes okay um so the camels you have are the ones that have just one hump correct yes yeah. and why is that is it because two hump camels are not available or it's harder to ride them yeah so this we can look at the the um, it's a dem demographic um question so the arabian camel is a, actually a dromedary which would yeah. be like said the one hump camel and that's um, native to to the desert regions of the gulf but also north africa um and so on 
Then you have the two humped camel, which is also called the Bactrian camel. Um, and that is uh, originates in Asia. So more mm. in the Mongolian deserts, uh, Northern India. Um, yeah, I think this is mainly where they, and also parts of Russia and China. So they are more common or, or local to, to these areas where the temperature can be very hot and very cold at the same time. I see. Um, so they have more reserves of food and water. Yeah, and they get very fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They, they grow a really heavy coat. Um, so yeah, they imported Bactrian cameras and there's some crossbreeds, but generally in is because again the UAE now has a lot of cameras. Um they've when we look at it historically, initially they were um, a, so, a mode of transport, first and foremost, and carrying loads, then um, the source of milk, and uh, once in a while, maybe also meat, right? Mm. And then the fur would be used for other things. Now, all these functions are more or less replaced by motorized yeah. vehicles, by um, uh, uh, other options for food and milk and so on. So now the camels that you still find in the UAE are either just like um, Passion, right? Because they see we've always had camels. We will keep on having a farm with a few camels mm-hmm. around. But the main usage now is sports, which is the camel racing. Um, so the breed of the Arabian camel became more um, slender mm-hmm. and long-legged and uh, a little shorter and much narrower in frame. So okay, <laughs> because they've sort of adapted or they kept on breeding with faster camels. Um, so. So you can see this development and and um, and that's why they have just this dromedary. They don't really need a Bactrian camel for, for load bearing and so on. Okay. I hope people are not getting bored of all the camel discussion, but they should know that we're going to talk about camels. Um, in an interview, you said, camels are a reflection of your inner personality. They are emotionally intelligent animals who respond to your stress emotions. They absorb it all and in return, give you peace, love, and harmony. Yes. It's beautiful. Tell, tell me how, how you felt this and how it manifests. It, it's, um, yeah, I feel when you work or you are engaged with animals is, and you start focusing on them. So um, that takes away a lot of this, you know, what, what works in your head all the time. Exactly. Or like, I have to still do this. I didn't yet complete that. Um, I forgot this. Now I remember. So we are, you know, there's a lot that goes on between our ears that involves us first and foremost, mo- most of the time of our day. But when you sit on the camel, you just look at his ears. I mean, you cannot see his face right so you just wonder what's in his head and is he okay is the, <laughs> the foot is he walking fine and and uh, that's really relaxing I think mm. uh, plus you know I would come here rushing after work quickly trying to to drive uh, you know as fast as possible after work because the sun is going to set so you come with this uh, very rushed you arrive and then you look at the camel and all he does is like a small slow gaze and it just slows you down instantly i think <laughs> so this is how they take everything that that you feel so loaded with and they they just uh, absorb it and they don't 
but they can sense also if you're confident, if you're shy. And um, and I've seen this in other people riding my canvas because I know which camel does um, is good at what. So you might mm. have a fast camel and then there's a rider on, on top and he says, oh, this camel, he's not moving. So I know that it's rather attention of the rider, mm. maybe a lack of confidence to actually be the leader of the group. And the camel reflects this. He's like, well, if you're not so sure, I'm going to stay behind yeah. um, and I'll follow the, the another camel rather okay. than. So so the camels can express or, or mirror sometimes the, um, the true <laughs> like self-confidence of the yeah. human. Um, and, and it's like they almost give it give a lot away of how. How, what's going on with this person <laughs> it's uh yeah it's like uh the hidden truth is coming out through the camel yeah. <laughs> you can't hide it from the camel you know like you can you can say with a very loud voice like uh, hi which means like go or you can um uh even tap, tap him with the with a whip or something but if mm. it doesn't come from your soul <laughs> he's not going to wow it's crazy so so this is how I can, I feel they're very close to to reading this energy level of a, of a person engaging with them. Do you have any other surprising facts about camels or endearing? In I saw that they can swim. Uh, yeah. And anything else? Yeah, they swim. Um, and something I never knew is that they don't have teeth on the top row. Yeah, <laughs> I saw when they chew. I'm like. Oh, it's only here. I am the I'm below, not up. Um, and uh, yeah, the the um, yeah, a few things I mentioned earlier. Just the the, the adaptation to the environment, I think, mm. is uh, is really powerful when you see it. In Do they ever get angry? Yes. <laughs> yeah. For example, when you um like miscommunication from riders sometimes you can see they get they can get very frustrated mm. um and then they the nice thing is they just sit down i mean i don't know if it's a nice thing but at least they okay, don't so they don't growl or the how how no. do they show they're frustrated yeah they'll get very vocal so they okay they, they growl or growl or or yeah um, complain but often instead of you know, going into with flight mode or very, very active and proactive, a camel is just like, no, <laughs> I give up. <laughs> like, sort yourself out and then. Um, and come back to me. <laughs> yeah. So, again, sometimes interpreted as stubbornness, but I also uh, think uh, we, we have to dig a little bit de deeper mm. instead of just um, attributing this as a stubborn camel um, and say, but what's missing or why or where is where is like a miscommunication and if mm -hmm. they don't they just they freeze or they, they a response for example of fear is often rather freeze than than flight so yeah <laughs> so they will if they're frustrated they will not just eject you as a horse would do sometimes or does it happen um no i think to to buck someone off is not very common um on, on never out of frustration mm -hmm. uh, it's more 
again like some like discomfort there's something wrong like a young camel is not comfortable with the weight so he would buck mm. um, and then it's very it's dangerous when a camel learns they can buck someone off they'll do it as a game so oh, okay <laughs> so, so that it should this, not be taught <laughs> yes you should never teach your camel um that they can buck people off because it's unfortunately they because or yeah it's a side effect of being clever they will mm -hmm. be they'll remember this and they like oh, so fast <laughs> okay i like to move away from camels and back to yes. you uh linda as a person uh, I read about you just coming back from a race in Saudi Arabia with the female camel racing team. It was the Crown Prince Festival at Taif, and two of your riders were on the podium, first and third. Uh, tell me how it went and also how you built this team, because as yeah. we know, it takes time. Sure. Um, yeah, this is a, truly a milestone for us that we traveled to um to a race for first and foremost that there was a race I think it's a milestone in itself for for the like female camel racing mm. sport um and then to be represented with a, a team of eight was of course um, a big highlight and then having people on the podium on top of that is um more than um yeah I could have a big for. reward uh, yes and I mean we've started the the race program pretty soon after we opened the school when we had some some very you know adventurous women who said yes but the camels i see them run in races we should try and and um, run with them and so it was a it was fueled by uh, by the women actually mm -hmm. who said what to do and then it was up to us as a facility to to enable this to happen and um so we start yeah the first racing of like series we kicked off in October 2021 just um like the 10 months after wow, opening the school um which was a short distance or shorter than Saudi Arabia only 1200 meters um and uh, that was just fun and we we loved that since we were the first all women team we could make sure that it goes or that we can also set the rules and and the focus and and that was always First and foremost, enjoy and make sure that we the cameras um, mm -hmm. also enjoy. So the distance one thousand two hundred is not too long for them. They usually run a lot longer, and they're very capable. Um, and if one says like, no, that's that's it for today, then we're okay. Like, there's no point of no, not too much that. pressure. Yes, um, and that that really uh, that gave us a lot of motivation, and new people joined and. Um, uh and then there was this big race in Al-Ula earlier this year in March, which was had an open call uh, for like no gender specific um, registration. Okay, so, so it was mixed. Yes, the first the race that we went as a school was in, in Al-Ula, was in Saudi Arabia, uh, four kilometers. And mainly I went to just to show up. I'm like, I knew mm -hmm. I'm not going to... For visibility. Yes, and and to to connect with the people who host the races, and I still have the uh, a small post-it where I wrote down with the organizer of the Alula race, uh, August 
or no, September was Altai. Um, yeah. Okay, Tabuk. So I had for each month, I had one race location of Saudi Arabia. Wow. <laughs> and that's just like, you know how they sometimes say on the back of a na- napkin, you write the whole business plan or something. Yeah. <laughs> so this was like the post-it was the, it was like my vision board. The of schedule. The, yes. Um, and I kept in touch with this person uh, from the International Camel Racing Federation. And um, and I said, now Altaif is coming. And he said, yes, we can host a race, but you have to help me ensure that there will be enough women because mm. we cannot put out a race and then there will be three participants. It's going to be very bad. Uh, or not, it won't be good, you know? So no, yeah, bad press. Yeah, we'll, yes, we, I'm ready. I'll bring eight um, ladies. And uh, so... I went all out to um, to uh, to the team, and I said, "Okay, girls, we've now we've already did some of them already did two thousand meters, so you were like they were immediately uh, <laughs> locked in. They just like yes, <laughs> I'll arrange with work and so on because it's a uh, in the middle of the week, so it was logistically a bit yeah. tricky. Um, but with the nomination of our team, they said the crown prince gave the approval to to open this uh, women race." Um, and then it was it was definite. Then the next step was uh, they were supporting us to ship our camels there, but it's a one thousand five hundred kilometers wow. journey. So you said it's not really. So uh, we, you used camels from there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I just yeah. didn't want to put mine on a trailer. Yeah. Um, but to find the right connection and and to find people who support women in racing, it was just. It's great of a of a challenge, but yeah, I felt the there was good momentum. People wanted to get involved, um, and we were uh, received like uh, VIPs in Saudi Arabia. They really Which, uh, where were the other teams from? Obviously from Saudi, but any other locations? Yeah, so there was a few more riders also from Dubai. Mm. Um, rode in yeah in different uh, places and uh, two flew in from Germany wow a camel farm in Germany so they came to Germany uh, sorry to Dubai first to to refresh or to adapt to the mm-hmm. Middle East Dubai setup or UAE and one lady um, again she's uh, back and forth between the, the Europe and Dubai and um, so she just trained uh, stepped up her training for wow. the wow um and yes Qatar one lady also from Qatar of course and I think it's significant uh on many levels is is um number one having a, a category which wasn't was non-existent before um and uh, funnily enough a lot of things things that are a bit more um I, I don't know. I don't want to use revolutionary, but who are the, the things that are not that that stray from the ordinary? Yeah, as not a, traditional. Yes, are, are easier for someone who is ha, doesn't have such a heavy cultural, um, traditional uh, load, right? Yeah. So um, I'm using this as much as I can to my not to my advantage, but to the advantage of the idea. So yeah, women who want to ride. Yes, uh, because it's the 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 if there is criticism, 
it will be probably stronger to a, a local woman than it would be to a European woman. To an expat, yeah. Because there, there's no family ties, there's no um, uh, association or that's, that might not be received well or sort of an image to maintain. Mm -hmm. um, publicity, you know, some women are a bit more private. So if you go to a public race, there, there's been so many cameras, which... Um, yeah, maybe... they're not very comfortable with it. There's so, society, societal pressure still. Yes, so it it means a lot. Maybe they'd love to practice their hobby and so on, but then having to be um, on TV is a is another mm. thing. Maybe that's not for me. So I yeah the but I I do hope that we, since we had participants from the Gulf, from Qatar, from Saudi, from um, UAE, that it inspires them also and i think some take it even a bit as a challenge they say how come this uh, european or the american woman is beating us in camera thing like no <laughs> we have to this is our um discipline and so it's i think it does start becoming a little bit more competitive yeah in that and um, i'm up for it i think it's fine like i i don't want to I don't want to think that nationality or culture and so on should be yeah. a major player, but um, I mean, I don't, I didn't do this to show off, like, look, uh, we can do it or you cannot. It's more, look, we can all do it <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and do it together. And um, uh, women initially, it was very difficult to, to just be present in a, in a space that's, entirely male dominated yeah and, traditionally um because that's like, yeah traditionally fem uh, women gather with women and men gather with men and that's uh in the majlis like in the in the gathering rooms that's at weddings and so on um uh, it's only the immediate family that really uh mixes and um at the race in saudi arabia there was us 13 women and I don't know how many hundreds of men, and but the, I felt there was more. There was so much support from men yeah. to make this happen. So of course it's a female, the, the female athletes, but we all carried by lots of male support. So mm -hmm. I don't want to um, hide that fact, right? And it's here yeah. with my school. Um, I have an uh, Emirati male partner, and he. He helps to make these things work. Um, and then women come to connect with women and it becomes more easy for once there's the first few and you know you, you become an anchor for more to, to join. Um, it's great. You're you're answering the question that I haven't asked yet. So <laughs> I I wanted to ask about the challenges you faced as a woman and as a European woman, because it's very tricky. There's a fine line between cultural appropriation and being interested in the culture and opening new ways for people. So I I like the way that you went about it just out of passion, not trying to prove anything. And actually people, some people will always criticize you. This applies to anything in life, but you actually inspired other women and even some kind of competition. So it, it works out in the end. Yes, no, it's very true that I think from on a personal level, cultural appropriation, especially in today's teenage, is is um, 
is intimidating sometimes yeah. because um you know it starts with dress code use you know if i wear an abaya out of comfort and um uh, because i feel like it's in this space it could also be more appropriate um some someone could say oh you're trying to copy us or mm -hmm. but this i i try and differentiate from where do i take validation or feedback and criticism yes. and um and i so it's and if it's if it's if the intention is true and good i think then it's it's well understood by the people who have direct contact and those who sort of reflect something negatively or um and that's some that's women and men sometimes i i would say then it's it's just a um projection also of them rather yeah, than their own fears and insecurities and yeah and um and yeah it's a i think one challenge in this school was to to create a bit of a niche or a direction that is rather athleticism and sports or hobby centered rather than i'm teaching emirati or bedouin culture because yeah. that would be very imposing I, or uh, i cannot assume that i'm that very... you know better than them yeah. yes and not f at least from a heritage and cultural aspect of things that i start with language with with um demeanor with um, this it's very rich uh, when it comes to bedouin culture and i've read about it and still i would only know the tip of a of an entire iceberg and um so but camels are part of bedouin culture but they can also be a hobby and mm -hmm. uh, a companion for uh, someone from germany i think yeah so, so i'm i do my best to brand it rather this way to avoid um imposing sort of an idea that i'm trying to be educate or yes on cultural elements yeah and i've now coming back to the race in saudi saudi arabia is really pushing for uh for yeah, democratizing the sport as well and and getting more people involved and um and making it literally a sport and sport naturally has competitors from different backgrounds and then it's about um a good camel and a good rider mm -hmm. um yeah if if these are people from the gulf we will see in the race right <laughs> and if it, if, so i yeah i think they should participate and i'm really really happy that they did that they mm -hmm. took invitation and uh and yeah i'm really curious to see what's what's next for racing exactly what are your plans for the future um, yeah, it's, uh, or the I, near future <laughs> you don't have to give me your whole strategy yeah. so, um, but yeah strategy is a good word um i i'd love or i'm working now or, or towards that is is to yeah become a little bit more maybe uh, strategic in in terms of um the experience i have over this three years can that be replicated somewhere else or how can mm -hmm. we broaden it and also how can we um uh, i could uh, or i have already and probably in the future also consult a little bit on camera related topics 
um, where there's a bit of a lack of understanding from, mm. from an audience that is not connected to, to the camel or the ability or the, um, uh, the context. So I've, I see a lot uh, hotels, for example, having camels or, or, you know, tourist attractions where I feel like the camel is widely misunderstood still. So <laughs> I hope I be a little bit of an advocate um, in how... Like well-being. Well-being. Um, but yeah, that the, the, the reputation of the camel changes a little bit mm. over. And I I truly believe that they will play a big, a much bigger role in the future just because of the, the changing climate as well. Absolutely. And, it's uh, a very sustainable animal. Yes. So... So we should be able to understand um, the camel better, um, and and yeah, it's, it's in that way. I, I feel like my experiences and the being a little bit on both sides helps to um, to be that middleman. Yeah, middle woman. Middle woman. Yes. Ah, uh, Linda, I'm I'm very frustrated. We're getting to the end of this interview, yes. um, but there is. Uh, a question I really like, uh, I, I like, of course, to share and share insights and knowledge between people. And I would like to know if there are resources you like to recommend based on either your experience or your own life. It could be book, podcast, movie, uh, an inspiring quote, something that listeners can, you know, benefit from. Um, well, and maybe this is a really um, maybe that has been recommended before, but I've just recently reread The Alchemist um, mm, from Paulo uh, Coelho. Yes, exactly. And before you read it, you you think about your dreams and maybe um, oh, I would love to travel here or there. But I've read it this time with a perspective of um, small business as well, mm -hmm. <laughs> because, um, which was quite interesting. There's a lot of uh, learnings that I felt it was a, a, a good reflection of how to deal with um, adversity but also creativity in, in new ideas and, and how um, your inner passion can help get you further um, also in a business <laughs> setup. Yeah. Yes and uh, I've been I mean I've maybe this is more regional but there's a podcast called The Metal Set um which uh, shines some light on uh, yeah untold sports or uh, women in sports as well okay um, i'll uh, i'll put it in the notes yeah because i we've seen it uh, it's very obvious the numbers tell right for example how a male football world cup gets that much coverage sponsorship exposure versus a women's world cup and this one was a, a big one which just happened um but so this is a often the women athletes have to still pursue uh, an actual job and compete in their sports versus men. Yeah. Uh, so I like um, uh, that there is a few outlets now that that just give a bit of um, platform to to women and, a voice and, and some visibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're interesting stories. Just okay. Just, yeah. And. Um, for people who want to find out more about you, the school, and if they want to take classes, how do they go about it? Uh, yeah, so we are obviously based in, in Dubai, so um, they would have to travel here um, or be around. Uh, we did have some people doing like a bit of a, 
a vacation slash uh, in-depth um, camel course. And we are happy to do these also more, um, you know, customized uh, offerings. Yeah, like if people come for a week in Dubai, can they take a two-day uh, training session or a course yeah. or? Yeah, 100%. Okay. And for that, it's obviously best to probably send an email um, or reach out to us. Yes. Um, and yeah, we do also do some camel travels, which is, of course, a bit more slow paced um, locally, but also in Oman and, and one in Jordan. We keep on setting up uh, new journeys. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're very worth worth looking into. Okay, I'll put your Instagram and website on the notes as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Linda, for everything you've shared uh, with me. I hope your day uh, continues to be well. You'll probably have a few classes on your schedule. <laughs> Afternoon, yes. No, but, uh, I hope it was not too uh, agricultural. I mean, it's a lot of camera talk. No, <laughs> it was great. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yes, and you're welcome to join us on Thank uh, you. as well. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Thank you to all of you who follow the show. It takes two seconds and it really makes a difference. If you want to hear more about Linda, check out the video interview on YouTube and the article on emmyinthemix.com. Both links are in the description. Thank you. And this time, I challenge you to read The Alchemist from Paolo Coelho or to get yourself a copy. It will change your life. Bye. Enjoy.